When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, 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 and welcome to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. Yep, we find ourselves slap bang in the middle of the week. But if you're feeling a bit tired, if you're feeling a little bit sluggish as we hit Wednesday, then never fear, because here on FSD, we have ordered you a cold, crisp pint of Carabao. Yes, perfect for a Wednesday morning. Eight games sponsored by some sugary midweek madness. The last 16 of the Carabao Cup is the focus across FSD for the next few days. And on today's show, we'll be reviewing and previewing each game right the way across the last 16. Right then, in part one, we'll be looking backwards at last night's action. Arsenal knocked out Premier League rivals Leeds and Chelsea edged out a shootout win against Southampton. They're both in the hat for the last eight. And then in part two, we'll be previewing tonight's action with eight other Premier League teams bidding to join them as we face five games in the Carabao Cup this evening. Right then, let's get straight into it. My name's Fergal Brennan and joining me as ever, we have our very own Marley Anderson. Morning, Marley. Morning, guys. How are you doing? You all right? Very good, very good. Basking. I'm sitting in a bath of Carabao. That's all right. Pleased I am with <laughs> Have you a, ever tasted Carabao? I, I don't think I've ever. Had a, I've never even seen a can on the, on the shelves, I don't think. No, no, no. I got no, given I've it once for free um, and just out of sheer politeness, I did try it and it is indescribably bad. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, indescribably bad. Some yeah, endorsement, that. What? I'm going to Google it, join the podcast. It reminds me of the drink that the monsters drink in Futurama, uh, if you know what I mean. If any Futurama fans, I'm going to have a, I'm going to Google it and find out what the name of that is because that's, that's what it reminds me of. Right, energy drinks aside, uh, alongside Marley, we have a man who's beloved Manchester City. Don't care if it's Capital One or Carabao, they just love the League Cup. It's Manchester City fan Matt Pidd. Matt, how are you doing? 
I'm alright Slightly offended Because we're kings of the Carabao And you're slagging it off I'm not slagging it That's what I'm saying Capital One Carabao Whatever it is Whatever <laughs> random sponsor it is Manchester City Will give it a crack Because yeah. uh, Pep Guardiola Absolutely loves the Carabao Cup Manchester City obviously coming up In part two of the show There in the previews uh, They're in action tonight Against West Ham But we're going to review Last night's games first Marley Arsenal 2 Leeds nil. Pretty straightforward, pretty routine in the end for Arsenal, but a, a necessary performance and a win based on their recent run. Eight games unbeaten in all competitions now for Arsenal, just one defeat in ten, stretching all the way back to August when they lost or got hammered by uh, by City. Despite the fact that Arsenal do seem to have turned the, the cliched corner under Arteta and performing well, driving themselves up the Premier League table, the question's never far away from, oh, this is exactly the game that Arsenal lose, or <clears throat> on a cold midweek night, can they do it, blah, 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 blah. So whilst this game might have been you know a little bit of a non-starter in terms of being particularly exciting for a midweek game, it was essential that Arsenal won, because despite the progress that Arsenal are making and Arteta is making, there's always still these question marks, and every single time Arsenal go out onto the pitch, they need to tick a bit of a box. Yeah, they do. Um I feel like um, with Arsenal, you're only ever one defeat in any competition, really, for everybody, from everybody then going, oh, God, it's it's bad. What's Arteta doing? Is he the lam- mm. is he the man for the long term? Can he really turn this team round? Um, and they've sort of, like, snuck together this eight-game unbeaten run. Like, you don't really notice that... You don't really look at the weekend's fixtures and go, you know, oh, Arsenal are on a really good run. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll do... They'll hammer whoever they're playing at the weekend. Like when they they've turned over Aston Villa really comfortably on Friday night, um, and you were thinking like, oh, they're actually playing quite well. If you watch that game, they did play really well. They dominated Villa from start to finish. Yeah. Um, but it was um, yeah. It's, it's just it's important for Arsenal to keep winning because, you know, as we said, like as you sort of alluded to there, if they'd have lost last night against Leeds, it'd have been like, you know, you'd have seen a lot of people going, oh well, the Arsenal should be targeting the Carabao Cup because it's. Mm probably the easiest cup competition to win um, I use that term quite loosely because you've got to usually beat Man City at some point <laughs> along the way so um, but it's yeah it's just one of them you know if 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 something doesn't go well at Arsenal I think everything is it's turned up to 11 really quick and it's not really what you want because um, it doesn't allow for much consistency but eight games unbeaten is uh, a good run uh, the three they're in the hat you know it wasn't the great, greatest performance last night for them it was a bit scrappy in places but um, yeah, they they showed the quality in the end, and you know, goal for Anketia, um was was fantastic. His, well, his first two touches were incredible, and his his third one was absolutely dogmuck, but ended up in the back of the net somehow. But he finished it well, and uh, and fair enough. Arsenal are through, and they can carry on dreaming of bathing in Carabao in February. Indeed, yeah. You need a shower after that to wash all the, the sticky carabao off you. But, Matt, when you look at this in terms of performances, we're, you know, we're well used to Premier League managers making loads of changes. Looking at the league game at the weekend, beating Aston Villa, there's only two players that carried over into the game last night. That was Ben White at the back and man of the moment, Emil Smith-Rowe in midfield. So, nine changes to the starting eleven, pretty expected. But <clears throat> one of the interesting things is, you look at some of the senior names that were included last night, Cedric Suarez, say Kalasinac, Ainsley Maitland-Nine, to an extent, Nicolas Pepe, Callum Chambers came off the bench and got himself a goal. These are players that have barely kicked the ball in anger in the Premier League so far this season, but they get called into a game like this knowing that they're not regulars under Arteta. Arteta doesn't necessarily trust them in the Premier League, but they still turned in a solid performance. And <clears throat> over the last few years, obviously, there's been 
criticisms of Arsenal in terms of the culture within the senior players and their attitude and their mentality towards certain types of games. When you've got players like this who know that they're not getting in the first team in the Premier League anytime soon, Arteta doesn't seem to be changing his mind on that. Does that show the work that Arteta is doing behind the scenes that he can still say to these players, I still need you and you and you still need to turn in a performance for me? Absolutely, and it shows great attitude from those players that were picked as well because they've not thrown the toys out the pram, they've gone out there and they've been professional and they've, and they've done a job what's been asked for of them. Um, and Arteta recently, like, like we were saying, it's gone under the radar that they're eight games unbeaten. And yeah, they might be just one bad result away from you know Armageddon and Arsenal TV, but... It seems like he's he's got um he's got this 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 nice mixture now between um youth and experience, and I think that the player that they should be building around is the player you mentioned, Emil Smith Rowe. He, he he uses quality for me, and you know he's he's got he's got his whole career ahead of him. He's 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 an Arsenal fan through and through. It reminds me of um what we've done with Phil Foden in a way, and like we said, we've got players like Nicholas Pepe that cost Arsenal seventy mil plus. You know, starting and and going in and putting in a performance, and he's he's very he's very inconsistent. Nicholas Pepe, he's not helped himself, but you know he's come from he's come from um, a team like Lille that have dominated. You know, in France recently, especially, and he's coming to an Arsenal team that are in transition. So I think we have to we have to bear that in mind as well as well. Um, Arsenal right now, they are they are building for the future. You can see it with the likes of um, um, Saka and like was mentioned Smith Rowe. You know, and the other players that they've got. So it's it's. A, I think Arsenal have got a bright future ahead. I just think they need they just need to stop putting so much pressure on on the coach and on the players because right now what seems to be happening is very organic. It seems just to be to be to be to flowing to a nice to a nice um, to a nice extent at the moment. So great result for Arsenal last night. Like I said, in the um, the hat for the fifth round, and you know they'll. They've won domestic trophies over the last couple of seasons. You know, one one more domestic trophy won't do them any harm, and if um, if it helps them have a decent run in the league as well. Just looking at some of the names that um, Matt mentioned there, Marley. Obviously, Eddie Nketiah got the second goal to wrap it up and, and make sure that Arsenal went through. Alexander Lacazette came off the bench. There's there's a lot of focus on him uh, in terms of what's going to happen to him in the summer. But both of them, Nketiah and Lacazette, are out of contract uh, in 2022. And Nketiah, probably based on his return over the years for Arsenal, just looking at some of his stats here, he's actually scored more goals in the League Cup than he has in the Premier League. That probably sums up his Arsenal career. And Lacazette, for me, as an Arsenal fan, I have to say I, I wouldn't mind if he left. I understand that you know we need a couple of senior players still knocking around and he's he's useful in some stages. But just working out some of his averages, he averages about 11.5 to 12 Premier League goals a season, which based over four seasons is a pretty, pretty poor return despite there being issues at Arsenal. Has their time run out? Niketa, out of contract, arguably maybe hasn't fulfilled what was expected of him coming through the youth ranks at Arsenal and Alexandra Lacazette turns 31 um, I think in February next year probably coming towards the end of his time at Arsenal do you think do you think they're done do you think they're finished at Arsenal next summer uh, it's an interesting one because they're all sort of at different stages of their career but not all all they're not really at the level you want to build around if that makes sense like Lacazette's like in his 30s now coming to the end of his contract I think Arsenal will probably want to do that thing where they um, not repeat a, a David Luiz or a Willian situation where you give them a long-term contract and they turn out to be dog muck for the next uh, two years. So they're probably not going to want to, you know, probably just going to shake his hand and say, OK, you know, we've had a good run, off you go, um, and we'll use your wages somewhere else because 
I think they do probably need a, another striker somewhere. Or Bamiang's getting older. Um, Arteta seems intent on playing him on the left, um, which is uh, strange for me. I, I always think he's a, a centre forward and nothing else. But um, Enketia, you know, I, I quite like Enketia. I think he's, he's he's a real poacher, but when he doesn't score, I don't think he gives you much in in terms of the game. Mm. He, he doesn't get involved in the build up and and stuff like that. He's a bit like. Um, like Jermaine Defoe, like if he if he wasn't scoring and buzzing round in the box and, and scoring tappings and and good smart finishes, if he's not doing that, he doesn't give you too much in terms of his overall performance. Um, and in the modern game, that is quite hard to to carry in your team. I think so. Maybe that's the reason why he hasn't had much uh, league action over the last few years. Um, you've got other lads as well, like Martinelli coming through. Um, been quite disappointed in him since he came back from his injury last season. I don't think he's done too much um, to build on that initial sort of promise he had a couple of years ago when he um, when he, who did he score that mad goal against where he just dribbled half the team and, and walked through. Was it Chelsea or someone like that? It yeah. scored a mad goal. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Was it Stamford Bridge that thing? Yeah, it was a brilliant goal that. And you're thinking, oh well, you know, Arsenal can build the team around this guy, but. They seem to have a few lads in their early twenties and a few lads in the in their early thirties, and it's like, you know, who do, who do you build around? Do you take a gamble on the younger guys, or do you go out and do you save the money on the older guys and try and buy someone in the summer? Um, but then the situation comes where, who can Arsenal pull now from from other from other leagues and stuff like that? Have they got the the pulling power still? Um, which is another question altogether. But yeah, in in terms of who they've got, it's like Aubameyang's obviously going to stay. Um, and Ketia looks like he'll leave and he'll probably bang in if he goes to the top end of the championship he'll score 25-30 goals and come up into the Premier League quite easily but um, it's uh, it's not an easy situation for Arsenal I don't think going forward Just looking at some of the players that Marley mentioned there Matt this idea that there's a lot of players maybe at the start of their career and others maybe coming towards the end of it Nicolas Pepe is one of the few that finds himself in that sweet spot he's 26 but he also finds himself right in the sweet spot of inconsistency because Record signing for the club, £72 million. He's come in. There was so much fanfare and expectation around him, but he has consistently underperformed. And, and last night was maybe him in a nutshell in terms of his career at Arsenal. Arsenal looked to get the ball to him at every opportunity, but he just couldn't really create anything. He couldn't get the better of Stuart Dallas most of the time. He's constantly looking to cut back onto his left foot and he just frustrated. And without actually playing badly he's still massively, massively falling short. And obviously, Niketa and Lacazette are out of contract. Um, it's a different situation with Pepe. He's st- tied to the club for another two seasons. But if a, if an offer comes in for him, do you think Arsenal should potentially look at moving him on based on the fact that he just continues to frustrate? It all depends on what Arteta thinks done it, ultimately. Um, does he see him have a future in his squad? Does he see him having a big um, big impact in his squad going forward? His goals and assists record then speaks for itself, really, doesn't it? He has been a disappointment coming in, especially, I mean, players like Nicolas Pepe, they get ultimately judged on what, they, what they're doing on the pitch, especially when they come for a price tag like that, which is a, a lot of money, like you said, Arsenal's record signing um, he's still he's like I say 26 um, he's still got his better years ahead of him I feel um, like I said I mentioned before he's coming to a club that's in transition um, and he's come from a club like Leo, like I said that have, have dominated in France quite recently so 
you know, I, I would if I if I was Arteta, I'd just I'd give him till the end of his contract and see and see where he's at. Obviously, you, you risk losing him on a free then, but Arsenal are going to make a, they're not going to make the money back on him anyway if they sell him. They're not going to get seventy two million for him if they sell him now or in in six months time to a year's time. So I'd I'd if I was Arteta in that situation, I'd put faith in him. I'd put faith in him. Obviously, if he stays injury free. Give him a consistent run of games in the squad. Obviously, you set up who you're playing against, but you play him against the teams where he's going to have more joy on his left foot and, and help control the game a little bit more. He's got some decent footballers around him there, so if he's given a little bit more time, I feel I, I feel that he can shine. He's clearly got the talent. We've seen it before. He, he has produced it in patches, but it just needs to be on a more consistent basis for him to be um, to be a success at Arsenal. Yeah, I'd just say, looking at the picture with Arteta, just have a, a quick... Arsenal soapbox moments and just going back over some of the players that he has gotten rid of during his time at the club and I honestly think that's probably his biggest success so far that he's attacked this culture that's existed within Arsenal Football Club of toxic senior players senior players that weren't interested in playing or didn't want to kind of meet the standards that he was looking to implement and just going through some of the names that as I say he has sold Alex Iwobi was one of his first big ones Laurent Koscielny who at the time was club captain Mkhitaryan Socrates Ozil Mustafi and then obviously this summer David Luiz and Willian I, I mean for me personally other than Willock going to Newcastle and Martinez going to Villa <clears throat> there's no one that I actually begrudge Arsenal selling and I, I see the position with, with Willock and Martinez because they were offered first team football that for me has been Arteta's biggest success so far at Arsenal and I think that's now being borne out in the players that are coming through Emil Smith-Rowe Bukayo Saka are looking at the picture and saying I don't want to be associated with that and what's been really really interesting is Arteta has given them the opportunity to essentially say to the senior players we're the boss men now we're the best players in this team and we're going to be the leaders of this team you either step up stop moaning stop sulking stop looking for excuses or leave and Arteta has backed these players and these players have responded by by driving Arsenal up the table I do get the point and obviously opposition fans are always waiting to just kind of jibe at Arsenal a little bit no Arsenal are never that far away from a crisis but by placing his <clears throat> by placing his faith in these players and these players repaying that in Arteta, we've got a young, dynamic team moving in the right direction. And senior players have had their cards marked. Either they step up and perform or they're out. And I just think Arteta, the way that he's just kind of swept in and, and utilised that, has probably been his, his, uh, his biggest success so far. But, you know, going off on an Arsenal tangent, let's bring it back to, to last night. Leeds... Um, Matt, in terms of performances for them this season, they've not been fantastic, kind of struggling to ignite. Only one win in the Premier League, obviously got through to, to the Cup uh, to face Arsenal last night, but it doesn't really seem to be clicking. And there was an interesting comment from, from Connor Cody when they drew with Wolves last weekend, where he said this thing about it being a basketball game when you play against Leeds and they try to tire teams out and just through will and energy and pressing, 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 they eventually get a result. But that's not working this season. They've obviously had issues with Patrick Bamford being out injured. Calvin Phillips has had a couple of injuries and he's so important for them. What is going on? Why, why can they not really get it to click? They haven't lost any major players, but it just doesn't seem to be working with nearly the same effect as it did last season. Well, you just mentioned there, um, losing Bamford, 17 Premier League goals last season is a lot of goals. So that's ultimately going to hinder them. Um, 
like I said, Phillips there, probably suffering from burnout. You know, he had um, you know the Euros. He was one of England's best players, and maybe he's just he's just a bit mentally, physically tired. You can't expect players like him to to produce it week in, week out as much as like people expect it because of you know the standards that he set himself with those performances. Sometimes it just happens, and there's not a lot you can do about it. You've just got to sort of play through it and come out the other end. Um, Leeds may be suffering from a little bit of second season syndrome. Clubs may have figured out you know the way they are they don't really focus so much on defending they just try and outscore you and like I said they just work tirelessly Bielsa's sides are notoriously you know known for outrunning the other team you know so this is this is where they sort of they punish you but sides now seem to know how to set up against them and you know Bielsa's a very you know he's he's a very clever coach I'm sure he'll, he'll sort it out I think Leeds have got more than enough to stay up I mean they're sitting 17th at the moment three points above um, Burnley and Newcastle so they've got to sort it out they've got to sort it out quick Christmas is going to be crucial for them in the league they, they won't be too uh, bothered about going out last night I don't think um, silverware's on the agenda for them I think it's more Premier League survival now looking at the way they've started so yeah, there won't be too too many grumbles from Leeds fans last night. Obviously, it's never nice seeing your club get beat, but I mean they did they didn't they didn't do too bad last night. They had they had more of the ball than Arsenal. They had the same amount of shots and stuff. So it wasn't necessarily Arsenal absolutely you know dominating them. Arsenal was just more clinical on the night, and you know the quicker um, Bamford comes back, and they've got to keep the likes of like Rafinha fit as well because he's one of their one of their better players as well. As long as as long as Bamford comes back in, uh, starts scoring the goals again when he comes back into the side, keep Rafinha fit. Him, keep him chipping in with goals and the assists and the performances and maybe shore it up at the back a little bit maybe focus more on starting to keep clean sheets you know that that would be my, my advice to him anyway uh, just looking across to the other game from last night obviously Arsenal in the hat for the last day Chelsea joined the Mali penalty shootout win over Southampton probably a bit frustrating on the whole for Chelsea dominated but at the end of 90 minutes just just won all and then they had to rely on Kepa for a few heroics from the spot kept out Theo Walcott and Will Smallbone absolutely battered one over the bar to, to make sure that Southampton didn't go through but again like we said with Arsenal with Leeds loads of changes for both sides and one of the interesting ones coming in for Chelsea was Kai Havertz Thomas Tuchel said earlier on this month that he needs to focus on getting back in the team he needs to try and recapture his form from last season and it's an interesting situation with Havertz because you rewind to last season he was massive for Chelsea really important goals no more so than the winner in the Champions League final but this season he's struggling to get in the team he's struggling to kind of turn in those types of performances but based on the goal he scored last night and he was probably man of the match on the night he still got it but at the moment he's not a first choice pick for Tuchel yeah he's um He's sort of in and out, isn't he, a bit? When everyone's fit, he probably doesn't get in that team. Mount, Lukaku uh, and one other, either Werner or him. You know, it tends to be uh, that that little trio. But, you know, Lukaku is injured at the minute, so is Werner. Um, I think last week he was the most transferred-in player in football uh, fantasy Premier League history because everyone thought Havertz is going to do a madness against uh, against Norwich. And then he ended up getting no goals, no assists, even though Chelsea put seven past Norwich, which was crazy. But he popped up last night, bags a goal, great header with the uh, with the finish. Um, and yeah, it, it's just that consistency. He's a, he's a young player. Um, he could probably do with being in the team every single week, but at a club like Chelsea, you know, you can't expect that, even though he came in for a ridiculously high fee. Um, you're still not going to get that 
that level of you're in the team every week because there's, there's options everywhere at Chelsea. They can play different ways with different styles at, at different times whenever it suits them. So he's um he's just got to knuckle down and find some form, find some consistency and make himself undroppable, um, which is tough at a, a club like Chelsea. But he's got the talent to do it. Um, he's got the the style, the physicality is what's impressed me about him the most. Is the fact that he's I don't know, he must have scored more headers than well as many headers um, as as goals with his feet at Chelsea this season um, or since he's been there because he te- he tends to climb really well in like crowded penalty areas and really he's really brave and uses his body um, really well uses his, his physical attributes really well so I really like him but. He does need that consistency, and he needs that um, that sort of statement performance, as if to say, well, you can't drop me because you know you've got no Lukaku, so I'm going to score you the goals, um, and that's that's his challenge, I think. Looking at some of the other players that came in last night, Matt, obviously there's always going to be changes, as we mentioned. Havertz is one of them who came in, probably seized the chance that he had, scored the goal, played really well. But there's a couple of other names, Saunaged, Ross Barkley, Hakim Ziyech, who all came in and didn't start uh, or don't regularly start in the Premier League for Chelsea. Sal's a really interesting one because coming in from Atletico Madrid, this looked like a tailor-made move. He wanted out of Atletico. There was talk of other Premier League sides being in for him. Chelsea got a bit of a coup on deadline day but it hasn't worked. Then you've got Ross Barkley, who's been in and out of the team, obviously been out on loan, come back in, doesn't really seem at it. And then Ziyech, who, who came in from Ajax when they did brilliantly in the Champions League, and again, has probably fallen short of expectation. You've got a lot of players at Chelsea just kind of knocking around, not necessarily getting in the team, talented, but their careers, and, and those three are perfect examples of it, their careers are in real danger of just drifting off. Well, when you, you, you go to a club like Chelsea, you can't, like Marley was mentioning there, you can't expect, even like Kai Havertz, like I said, he, despite his transfer fee, you just can't get in the side. And unfortunately, it's 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 happening to um, to these these three players that you just mentioned. You know, Sal, Sal guess I, I, I loved him at Atletico Madrid. But if you think about it, it's a completely different way of playing. Under um, under Simeone at Atletico Madrid, it's, it's more like, you know, defensive-minded, you know, steely, you know, grinding out games. But... Tuchel, he's got he's got he's got this defensive sort of setup, but he also mixes it up with an attack as well. So maybe he's he's struggling to adapt to it. Bearing in mind he's only just signed, he's, the Premier League and La Liga are, are worlds apart in terms of pace. So maybe he just needs that consistent running a team. But like we were saying, he, he can't expect to get it every week, especially if you're not performing. Ziek got a wonderful left foot on him. I think he should. Has he been injured this season? Ziek, I'm sure he has. Um, you know, if he's he's coming back into the side off um, off off the back of an injury, he's going to struggle for consistency until he feels 100% fit again. Um, I've got no doubts that Ziek, when he's picked in the side, will do the business. But like we're saying, it's a consistency thing whether he's in the side or not. And as for Ross Barkley, I remember when he was, um, I think it was the 13-14 season when he first like proper like burst on the scene for Everton. Everyone was tipping him as maybe like the, the next Gascoigne and stuff like that. And then you think like you fast forward to now. And the way his career's gone, I never seen his career going this way. I, I would honestly, do you know what I would have thought? I would have thought he would end up playing for City at some point. I thought it, when when we had a Pellegrini, obviously I didn't envisage Guardiola, you know, in the future. But I thought if Pellegrini would have stayed, he would he would have been perfect for us because he reminded me a lot of the way uh, Yaya Torre used to play, the way he used to bomb forward from midfield. He used to tech tech players on at will. Obviously not as good as Yaya Torre, but in in that same sort of mould, um, he was great from set pieces as well. Um, he could he could just grab games by the scruff and neck and win them. And this was from a very very young age you know and I've heard he's had you know problems off the pitch in his personal life and stuff like that but 
you know, he just need he basically just needs to knuckle down and when given the chance, needs to need needs to just, you know, take it by the scruff of the neck. I liked him at Villa last season. I thought him and Jack Grealish um, struck up a decent um, combo, like partnership in, in midfield. But you know, obviously, ultimately, it didn't work out for him there because you know um, Chelsea wanted him back, and obviously Villa didn't really feel inclined to um, to take him on a permanent. I don't know if that was part of a deal or not. I don't. I don't know if um, Chelsea offered him that, but. I can't see it really working out for him there at Chelsea. I can't see him getting a consistent run in the team. I, I think Ross Barkley, if he's going to play him way into a transfer window when he, get, he gets given the chance, maybe he just needs to, to start again at another club. Because it's a shame when you see such a young talent like him come, come through there Everton and then ultimately just seems to fall off. I don't like seeing stuff like that. And especially from, obviously, an England point of view as well. Everyone was tipping him to be the next big thing for England, but it's just not happened. So, you know, Ross Barkley, he's still, he's still got he's still got, um, still got some years ahead of him. I don't think it's over for him yet, but I just think he does need to seek a new challenge when given the chance. I do honestly think, and I remember this is when I first started working, covering football. Matt, you can remember the season when he scored in the semi-final against City at the Etihad. 2013, oh, yeah. 2014, was it? Yeah, that season, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. honestly would say, hands down, no, no joke, from either working or from going to cover games, that was one of the best goals I've ever seen live. Honestly, in in, in, mm-hmm. in any stadium where I've been, it was absolutely brilliant. But it's been it's been a hell of a fall, uh, fall from grace from him. Marley, just looking at Southampton in terms of their performance, probably can have very few complaints. Che Adams got them an equaliser, but they never really looked in it. Fraser Forster made some big saves to keep out Havertz and, and Sowell. Will Smallbone back after, I think, nearly 10 or 11 months out, got a chance to maybe win it late on. But based on the balance of chances, they can't really have too many complaints. And Ralph Harsenhutl knows that the bread and butter is, is the Premier League for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I said yesterday on, on yesterday's pod, this is a bit of a free hit for, for Southampton. If they win, amazing. Um, if they lose, you know, just as long as you don't get absolutely battered, you're uh, you, you're not going to think too much into this, the result, I think. Um, going out on penalties is always a sickener, to be fair. But, you know, um, like, like you say, Southampton probably didn't have, like, sights on genuinely winning the Carabao Cup. They're probably waiting to to draw a big boy and then get get uh, turned over by them which is ultimately what happened so um their performance was all right though they weren't they weren't bad um the one thing i would take from the game is i don't know why fraser forster's not first choice over alex mccarthy i think he's i think he's a way better goalkeeper um probably not as sweeper keeper style as as mccarthy because he's slow and quite cumbersome um but he's he's a way better shot stopper and when you're down sort of in the bottom half of the league, I think you've always got to play your best shot stopper and that's Fraser Forster for me. But um they had the chances as well, you know, Will Smallbone should have scored that header. Um I think with a few more games under his belt he'll he'd have probably stuck that away, but he probably sort of seen his name in lights and, and thought, Christ, I'm gonna score the winner here. Um and he's ended up putting it the goalkeeper rather than past him. Um and then he's had a shocker in the penalty shootout was sticking one somewhere probably landed somewhere in in the Thames because it was went so high. But um, but it it is what it is, you know. These things happen. Southampton probably weren't going to win the win the Carabao Cup. It's probably a nice time to go out so they can um, carry on with the with the league form, which is slowly improving. Um, and yeah, they'll, they'll they'll just move on and and be quite happy to to go into the game against Watford at the weekend and think that's a much more important ninety minutes for us than than potentially, you know, going hell for leather and and tiring yourself out against Chelsea. 
Yeah, true, true, true. And obviously, disappointed night for Southampton. But one little positive, which I always enjoy, is uh, checking that Shane Long is still alive. Um, how he's still knocking around <laughs> in the Premier League, I have absolutely no idea. But he always puts a smile on my face because he's always dead cheerful whenever he comes on, runs around dead quick without really doing anything. But uh, he's just such a nice fella. The fact that he's still playing Premier League football, even though he hasn't scored a Premier League goal in a million years, is absolutely brilliant. But he did step up and, uh, and knock in his penalty. But it wasn't enough in the end for Southampton. They are out. Arsenal and Chelsea are through. A uh, bit of bad news for you, obviously, Marley, from a northeast perspective, because Sunderland, your uh, your beloved Sunderland, how did they get on last night? Uh, they, well, <laughs> I watched the highlights before. They stank the place out. It was nil-nil, <laughs> and they, yeah. they just jammed their way through on penalties. They did indeed. Yeah, Sunderland have joined Arsenal and Chelsea in the last eight. After the break, we're going to be previewing where we think the other five places will be taken up. Three all Premier League ties tonight and eight Premier League teams in action. We're going to be previewing all of that in just a second. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily midweek show. And we have got Carabao Cup fever. Yes, three games last night to make us a little bit more aware of what's going on in the quarterfinals. Arsenal, Chelsea and Sunderland all through to the last eight. And now in part two of the podcast, we're going to preview the games coming thick and fast tonight. Five matches and three all Premier League ties. Matt, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Burnley against Tottenham is the first of these Premier League games. Sean Dice, it's fair to say, hates the Cups. I'm just looking at his record here. It's, it's become a bit of a myth, but when you actually look at the numbers, he absolutely hates the Cups, whether it's Carabao, Capital One, Carling Cup, FA Cup. He just doesn't like them. In the League Cup, they've not been beyond the fourth round as a Premier League club under him. And then in the FA Cup, they've not been beyond the fifth round. And he makes no bones about this. He's not interested in them. His focus is the Premier League. Coming up against Tottenham tonight, obviously Tottenham have got a different situation. They do have a big history in terms of cup competitions. But Nuno Santo has to balance this against the UEFA Europa Conference League. Neither of these teams maybe want to go through. But unfortunately one of them is going to have to take the horrible place of uh, making the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. <laughs> that's amazing because some, some clubs had, you know... Right your hand off. Chop, chop the right hand off. Yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it. I was going to say that, yeah, but I, I said it <laughs> said it wrong. Um, yeah, they probably, yeah, bite your hand off to get in the, uh, the fifth round of the League Cup. But, you know, I mean, the only game Burnley have won in their last five is against Rochdale in the previous round. So, you know, a win tonight, it could really boost morale. I mean, obviously, you know... They haven't really got the squad to cope with juggling the league and the cup at the same time. But, you know, these things, they can go hand in hand with um, with a good league form. Obviously, we, we, we know Dice, there's no secret um, that, that he doesn't like, you know, the cup competitions. He wants to keep Burnley in the Premier League. Then fair play to him, do you know what I mean? Fair play to him. But I, th- I think Tottenham have got a bit more... Um, bit more at stake in, in, in terms of that because, you know, they'll be more like more likely focused on, you know, El Sacchio on Saturday against United. Um, but, you know, having said that, you know, they're, they're a club desperate for silverware as well. You know, the Conference League should be just used to give the youth players European experience because, let's have it right, I don't think they really want to win it. I don't think the fans really want to win it. You know, the, the League Cup would will, will take priority over that If for me if I was a Spurs fan. You know, and the, the Cup can help build their confidence as well because, you know, Christ knows the players 
you know, they need it right now, the way they're going, you know, and I think it, the League Cup was probably, the, it, yeah, it was the last major trophy they won back in 2008 against Chelsea, you know, four, nearly 14 years ago now, that that is a long time. So for me, there's a lot more riding on it for Spurs tonight. Spurs desperately need silverware. They need to get that sort of like bottle job, you know, like name off the backs. They need they need that silverware in the cabinet. So you're going for Spurs through into the last eight. Yeah, Marley, yeah. would you agree the the cup hater against the cup liker in, in Nuno Santo? <laughs> um, I would back Burnley to win this if they take it seriously, but. I think I've already seen something from Deitch this morning saying he's gonna, he's gonna like rotate. The he might team. play himself. That's what I've heard. He's, he's gonna play himself. That's the thing. Like I, I think they could turn Spurs over and have have a really good result, which they need in the season. To be fair, but um, they, they, I feel like they're gonna um, rotate too much, and it's gonna be an absolutely awful game of football, um, and probably get settled by either the odd goal or a penalty shootout because it doesn't seem like any team are really bothered. Um, and we've seen from Spurs' second team in the, the European Conference League that uh, they're, they're not the best and struggle against pretty much everyone. So I can see this being almost like a, a game of anti-football. I think it'd be really poor. Wow, what, what an absolute <laughs> selling point for it. I do like this as well, that, that, yeah, that Sean Dyche has made so clear that he hates it, that even in press conferences, journalists, because they're so frightened of him, they just don't ask him anymore because he just bites their head off. Right, moving on. Must give Burnley fans a load of hope, that, for the yeah, future. Yeah, Must do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another Premier League game tonight, Brighton against Leicester. Marley, interesting one for these two teams because they've got pretty much exactly polarising form going into this lots of positivity around Leicester three wins on the run ten points in the last four games and then in comparison to Brighton three draws and then obviously defeat to City at the weekend so things have hit a little bit of a sticky spot for the Seagulls Leicester playing really really well we know they're going to make a load of changes both managers Potter and Rodgers but looking at the squads Leicester's 11 to 20 is stronger than Brighton's they don't have home advantage Brighton beat them earlier on in the season in the Premier League but would you say Leicester probably just have a bit of an edge in this one? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like Leicester's depth is one of the reasons why they're such a good team. Um, you know, I've, I've said said a load of times before their their tactical flexibility is brilliant. Um, they can bring in two up front, one up front, three up front, five midfielders, four midfielders, three at the back, whatever they want to play, it it works for them. Um, so with their form improving recently, you know, they beat Brentford. They had that comeback win against Spartak Moscow in the UEFA Cup, uh, Europa League even last week. Um, there's plenty of strength there if they do decide to rotate, which they probably will. Um, and I feel like that is just about too much for Brighton. Brighton aren't playing as badly as their their results suggest. I don't think they, they had some, some decent spells against Van City at the weekend, but not... Um, not not enough, I don't think. Um, even though you know Brighton are in a perfect position to have a proper crack at this. Um, you know they 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 you know they've had a good start to the season. They're in sort of comfortably in the top half. Um, so why not have a proper go at this? Why not play your your best uh, your best team and and see what happens? But I feel like even the best team against a good Leicester is. Uh, is is going to be a tough one so we'll we'll see what happens but I, I, I would back Leicester to, to get it done Matt so you agreed on Spurs probably edging out Burnley although it's not going to be a cracker Marley's going for Leicester to win at the Amex would you agree or would you go home advantage for Brighton Um, it's a tough one because you know obviously coming off the back of a 4-1 defeat against us over the weekend they 
probably want to redeem themselves and probably will um, play their, their strongest squad possible to get that done but they have got Liverpool coming up at the weekend so maybe they've got an eye on that um, Leicester obviously won five out of the last six games um, so they're high on confidence at the moment so yeah I'd probably agree with that I'd probably, I'd probably say Leicester Leicester go through tonight they plus the, and, they, and they have they have won um, silverware in the last five years haven't they they won the league they won the FA Cup so they'll, they'll be hungry to, um, to add to that uh, moving on Preston at home to Liverpool we talked about Sean Dyche uh, not being particularly interested in the Cups Matt uh, Jurgen Klopp takes that to another level. He won't even be at Deepdale tonight because <laughs> even yeah, up. this is this is another level of I'm not interested. He'll be at home. Uh, Pep Linders will be taking charge as he as he normally does in, in the Carabao uh. Cup. Liverpool would expect them to make a big raft of changes as they did against Norwich in the previous round. They've still got enough senior players to kind of mix in with with the kids. Preston are doing pretty badly uh, in the Championship. They're in danger of getting sucked into a relegation battle if they're not careful. This should be straightforward for Liverpool. Yeah, and Preston will they'll be hurting after the um, defeat of a weekend to Blackpool, big derby for them. So you know what better way to um, to please the fans than to go out and to be a dip, um, a weakened Liverpool side. Preston up just like you said was talking about free hits before. This is a free hit for Preston. Yeah, maybe it, they won't maybe play the strongest team because obviously, like you said, they're being sucked into a relegation battle if they're not careful. But you know these these are the types of games that these these players dream of. You know, playing against the side like Liverpool. Yeah. It's not going to be their strongest eleven, and you know Klopp's not going to be there. And let me just say this: if Pep didn't turn up to a league game, he get a league cup game, he gets slated. So let's just um, let's just put that one out there. I don't get it. I really don't. I think he should be taking each game as serious as the last one. But whatever. That's clearly uh, the way Klopp likes to handle things. Um, it, it's it's going to be an interesting game. Like I said, um, Preston derby defeat over weekend. Not going to be happy. The fans aren't going to be happy. So they're going to want to come out swinging. And uh, Liverpool will make wholesale changes. Well, they don't. They didn't really need to, to be honest, because let's let's have it right. It was a stroll in the park for him on Sunday, so they could pl- probably play all the players that played against United because they didn't really have to do much. So, you know, he'll he'll, he'll just rest them. He'll he'll rest them for the uh, the league the league game over the weekend. And um, yeah, Preston. Hopefully, he'll make a game of it, but we'll we'll see. Miley, would you hold out a candle for Preston? Things are not looking good for them in terms of league form. Obviously. Derby uh, defeat at the weekend as, as Matt mentioned there Liverpool despite the fact they're going to make loads of changes including on the bench with, with no Jurgen Klopp do you think there's any chance of a, of a big big upset in this one? Uh, no no, not not much of a candle maybe one of those Chinese light lanterns in uh, in Memorial when they get absolutely smacked <laughs> um, just because you know I don't right two, right, two things on this on this game for me one it's a disgrace that the Jurgen Klopp isn't there I think sending you Sending your, Thank your you. right-hand man is an absolute joke and a complete... Fuck yeah, it, it's disrespectful, I think. ...middle finger to the competition, which I don't care if you don't agree with it. It's, that, it's It all comes from that Club World Cup thing, doesn't it, a couple of years ago when they were, you know, when they, when they physically yeah. couldn't be in two places at once and he, he sent... That's understandable, yeah, I, that's, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I don't get it. I don't like it. Um... I don't even think if you're gonna if your manager's not asked about turning up, why should your team be even in the competition? But yeah, um, that's another thing. Second thing, why have Sky picked this game for the uh, for the for the live broadcast when there's like man, because man City because West Ham. wants to watch it at home. That's why. That's why he wants to do it. Yeah, yeah that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does doesn't have a dodgy yeah. fire stick to watch it on? No, no. You could actually be right on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's two or three other games that you'd rather watch. You'd rather watch Leicester Brighton or West Ham Man City than this one. Um, maybe not Burnley Spurs, but yeah, that's another thing. But 
on the game, you know, it doesn't matter who Liverpool play, they will they will turn over Preston pretty comfortably. You expect to see the B team, um, Minamino, Origi, uh, Simicass, all these all these types of players that are Curtis Jones and you know people like that. They're all far far too good for Preston who are in dire straits at the minute. They're they're pretty uh, up against it with their own things going on, so they're probably not in a position to to turn up and, and have a go at uh, Liverpool even though they're on the home turf but I think it'll be a procession um, can't see anything happening unless everyone's not asked about the competition as Jurgen Klopp is I can't see Preston uh, doing anything to be honest <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, looking ahead to some of the other games two more to go uh, this one for me is potentially maybe a bit of a Premier League banana skin Marley I've checked the weather forecast it is going to rain tonight so it is a was it cold and windy it is all oh yes it's going to be cold it's going to be windy so it is officially a wet Wednesday night at Stoke yeah Stoke Brilliant. City are home to Brentford <laughs> obviously Brentford's story in the Premier League this season has been massive everyone's been really excited to see them there Thomas Frank's been really interesting the way that he's kind of just taken the ball by the horns in the Premier League but they've hit their first little bump in the road in the last couple of weeks back to back defeats losing to Chelsea and then losing to Leicester they go up in the rain in the wind to Stoke tonight who are not doing well either They're They've lost their last three in the championship. But given the fact that Frank doesn't have the biggest squad for Brentford, he's also going to have to make changes. Could this potentially be a little bit of a wobble? We look at some of the other ones. They're going with the form book of Spurs, Leicester and Liverpool to go through. Given the fact that Brentford are probably going to have to rotate so many players, do you think there's a chance maybe that, that Stoke might be able to turn them over? I do, yeah. Um, I think Stoke... Um... Stokes are, Stokes are a horrible place to go. They've got that wide open um, corner yeah. which allows all the wind in. In general, or well, uh, yeah, pretty yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been, been there, Marla? On the train, um, yeah, and yeah, only not only, just keep, only for just a couple stay on of the hours. That would be my advice. Just yeah, stay on the train. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, the state the stadium reflects the actual city <laughs> itself. Yeah, there's not much there to be fair. Um but yeah, you know, it's everything's set up for just a horrible like experience. You know, Brentford try and pass the ball around and, you know, play a nice decent football. Stoke try and um obviously they're not the Tony Pulis side anymore, so I don't wanna launch into them stereotypes, but still wet and windy, the, the, the corners of the ground are, are open, they allow all the wind in and it's it's another thing that just benefits them a little bit, but Obviously, they're not in the best form at the minute. I don't think they've won in the last four. Um, haven't won since 25th of September when they beat Hull. Um, as you can tell, I'm reading that off Google. That isn't in that isn't in the uh, <laughs> the front of my head. But you know, they're they're doing all right in the championship in total. I think they're like ninth or tenth. Um, so they're doing all right. But yeah, the ninth on they're up, they're on 21 points. The the joint 21 points with five other teams and Luton are sitting fifth. You can tell I got that off Google as well. <laughs> well there you go. Like they're not. <laughs> So they're yeah, all fighting I mean, for the they're playoffs. Not, they're not out of this, are they? So um, I feel like they've they'll fancy it tonight. Again, it's a bit of a free hit. If you're going to knock out a Premier League team, you're going to want to draw one that are um, like you know they have other things on the plate. Like Brentford is is staying up. Um, that that's their that's their number one remit this year. But I do like what Thomas Frank said um, in this in this. Um, like pre-match press conference, he said, "Like, why can't Brentford win the Carabao Cup?" I love that. Try and win the Carabao mm. Cup, mate. Go on, go for it. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'll. Uh, That's yeah, the attitude I'll, to have, isn't it? They, they they had a good uh, a good run last year when they they knocked Newcastle out um, in the quarters or the 
um, I think it was, or to get to the quarters or whatever it was. Um, turned us over quite comfortably and passed us off the pitch as well. So, you know, a year down the line, it feels like they are going to take it seriously again. So it's uh, it's looking like Brentford will, will turn up and try and do a professional job. But I'd still stay away from it on my uh, on my betting accumulator. I think that's uh, the most 50-50 game of the of the round. But uh, yeah, Brentford will, will fancy it. And um, even though it will be a, a bit uncomfortable, they'll still fancy themselves to have a nice little test and, and ultimately go through. Matt, just looking at Brentford, obviously there, as Marley said, that Thomas Frank has kind of you know raised the question, why shouldn't uh, Brentford push to maybe win the Carabao Cup or at least make some big inroads in it? And you look at this situation and yeah, he probably is going to rotate because they've got Burnley at the weekend and he has to stick to the day job of the Premier League. But he might also be looking at this and thinking, look, we've got a championship side that are not playing particularly well. If we beat them, get a home draw, maybe you know a slightly favourable one in the quarterfinals, then we're into the semis. And then you know we're two we're two games away from Wembley across the two legs in the last four, and you know inevitably they're probably going to play Manchester City in the final because everybody always does. Is there maybe a school of thought that he goes, listen? Can you just can you just squeeze one more game out of me from the Premier League eleven? You know, we'll get you rested up for the weekend and just see how we get on. Or do you think he's just gonna he's just gonna press the panic button and, and just make ten or eleven changes? No, I think he'll play um, a fairly strong side. I mean, they've, they've lost the last two league games, but bearing in mind they were against um, Chelsea and Leicester, who are quality sides. So I don't think it'd be fair to judge them on those two results. I think they've been a treat to watch this season, especially at home. I think they've been a breath of fresh air for the Premier League. Um, Thomas Frank's um, style of management, his attitude, everything about them at the moment is very, very positive. And I think, like we say, why not? Why not go and try and win You know, the League Cup? You know, you're in a cup competition, that's what you want to do. You what you want to win these things. This is why I can't understand these these managers that just just go no. I'm not having it. You know what I mean? I'm just want to survive in the Premier League every year. Or I'm, I can't be asked with it at all because it doesn't agree with my uh, philosophy on the way fixtures are in England. You know, so this this for me is really refreshing. I want to see I want to see Brentford win tonight, and I want to see them play the strongest team that they possibly can. You know, bar, bar any injuries. So yeah, Thomas Frank's been an absolute breath of fresh air for the Premier League, and I, I I quietly want them to do well this season. I really want them to um to do well in the Premier League, and if they get a good cup run out of that, you can't really argue that they would have had a successful season, especially if they stay up. Right, looking at to the last game tonight, West Ham against Manchester City. Obviously, Jurgen Klopp, because he's got control of the the remote control in the Klopp household, has deemed that Preston and Liverpool is going to be on TV. But Matt, I'm sure you'll find a way to watch this somehow tonight. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'll be watching it. <laughs> in terms of form, looking at this, West Ham have been absolutely excellent and they're actually in better form than Manchester City coming into this. Six wins from the last seven across all competitions. They put United out in the previous round. Man City have only won five in, in that same run, so West Ham do have a little bit of an edge. But as we mentioned right at the top of this show, City love the Carabao Cup. Pep Guardiola loves the Carabao Cup. He'll be going hell for leather to get through, but there will be some young players rotated in. Just looking at the Wickham game uh, earlier on in the competition, Egan Riley and Beppe, and Bette, sorry, Burns, Wilson, Esbrand, and then we all know about Cole Palmer who came off the bench to, to score in the Champions League last week. He is going to play a few kids, he's going to play a few squad players. What type of team do you think Guardiola is going to put out tonight? Obviously, we know a bit about Palmer. Who else should people be looking out for that's, that's the next one off the production line for City? Well, to be honest, Fergal, the majority of City's youth team played in the um, the 5-0 defeat to Rotherham in the EFL Trophy last night. There was only two that didn't feature that was involved in the uh, the Wiccan game. Uh, it was Cole Palmer and Sammy Dozer. You know, so I expect those two to be in the squad tonight and you know they may feature depending on how the match is panning out. Um, West Ham, 
different beast nowadays. Um, they beat Man United in the, uh, the the last round, but you know a lot of teams are beating Man United at the moment, so I wouldn't give them too much credit for that, you know. But they are they are doing really well, West Ham, absolutely, and I'm sure Jim will be very very pleased to hear me say that. Um, City will play just again. Guardiola wants to win this trophy. We all know it. He's going for fifth in a row, record breaking stuff that. So he's going to play his strongest team possible, but he will have the mixture between um, youth and experience. Couple of players coming back from injury as well. We've got Sterling coming back from injury. Um, Zinchenko, hopefully at left back to give Cancelo a rest because you know Christ knows he needs it. He's 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 been covering every single blade blade of grass this season for me. The way we've been performing, you know, you can talk about Bernardo Silva, you can talk about Foden, you can talk about De Bruyne, you can talk about these attacking players, but Cancelo, the way he's just been this season the way he's performed especially he's playing out of position bearing in mind he's playing left back guy's right back but you could play him anywhere you could play him anywhere on that pitch I touched on it last week in the uh, on the podcast when we was um, reviewing the Bruges game the way he's underlapping runs he's going inside the uh, the opposition's defence and he's finding himself in these positions where he can score goals or he can assist goals so him for me this season has been absolutely fantastic but getting away from that like like I said, Pep's taking this competition very very seriously. West Ham banging form at the moment. He's gonna to have to watch for West Ham's um, Trump, um, set pieces because they have been fantastic from set pieces. Moyes has got them. Just like I said, different beast. You know we associated West Ham with being quite soft over the last you know, few years or so conceding goals, but now they're very very tough, especially at home. I'd back them to beat any team at the moment at home the way they are. So if we're not at our best tonight, I reckon West Ham could knock us out. But we are coming off the back of some some very very good performances. Brighton in the first half, we might have fell off in the second half a little bit. But you know, with the first half, the way we played, you know, I can forgive that. The way we played in Bruges as well was fantastic. I don't think Pep's going to allow for any mistakes tonight. Obviously, if West Ham are the better team on the night and beat us, I'll hold my hands up and say fair play to them. But if we're at our best tonight, and say we're maybe two or three up with um, half an hour to go. I will expect to see the likes of Bidozzi and Palmer make an appearance. But other than that, Pep's going to play his strongest team possible. Outside the top three of Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City, Marley, West Ham are the form team in the Premier League. This is an interesting one to call because as, as Matt said, at home, West Ham at the minute, you'd back them to almost beat anybody, put United out in the previous round. But you've got so much good form going into this from West Ham. But but Pep Guardiola is Mr. Carabao Cup and it's difficult despite how well West Ham have done and the deserved praise they've had this season. It's difficult to see Guardiola not pushing for what would be a ninth title in the, in the League Cup and, and make City the most successful team in the competition ever. Yeah, I think um, he obviously loves the competition. You know, you can't get polar opposites between how he treats it and how uh, Jurgen Klopp treats it. Um, it's as if it's, you know, the, the sacred... Um, the sacred trophy in English football, the way the way Guardiola goes for it every year. So, it's um, it's you know he's obviously going to turn up. He's going to play a strong team. I think it's going to be pretty much the Premier League team, um, that that you see week in week out. Um, maybe like Palmer and people like that coming off the bench or something. But, um, West Ham are going to be are going to have to be at the best because I think they've won six out of the last seven. But, you know, this is uh this is a different beast in Man City. Um. This competition is is everything to them at the minute. You know they'll they'll go in. They won't be thinking. It doesn't really matter if we lose. They're thinking we want five in a row because it's another thing for Guardiola to to pin him pin himself on. You know no one's ever done it before, and you know for a fact Guardiola will want to do that. 
um, he'll want to be the first man to do it. So uh, West Ham have got it tough, but it's it's probably the game of the round, to be honest. Um, and it's just staggering why it's not on TV, but that's another another thing. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, um, I, I can't find it online, but Marley, I think if you try j.clop at liverpoolfc.com, <laughs> forward your email complaints to that and, uh, and, and see if he gets back to you. Uh, right, we're going to. Uh, he's right in what he's saying. He's <laughs> right in what he's saying there, Marley. It's just, it, it, and it's like I said, it's polar opposites. Why? I just, I don't get why you would just treat a, a competition with such disdain and disrespect. It just doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't sit right with me. That really don't. Yeah, yeah. Nobody is a fan of Jurgen Klopp on the podcast today. But we are going to wrap it up for today's show. The form book generally has been followed for tonight's game in the Carabao Cup. But as Marley pointed out, watch out for that wet and windy. Wednesday night. Wow, I managed to get that out. Wet, windy, wild Wednesday night in Stoke. Right, I'm going to go and give my voice a rest. Matt, Marley, thanks so much for your time. Cheers, guys. Nice one. Great stuff. Thanks so much as ever. And of course, here on the Football Social Daily, we are your daily Premier League podcast. If you click subscribe on this episode, you can get a brand new one as soon as it is ready. Marley, Niall and Callum will be on duty tomorrow reviewing those games from tonight and looking ahead to another massive weekend of Premier League action. Don't forget to check out the show then and we'll speak to you again very, very soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.